Welcome everybody to the One to Go show, once again presented by Weir's Machine. Now many of you are race fans, but some of you are racers, so the place to go if you need a Panhardt bar, wheel spacers, clamps, tools, frame mounts, weirsmachine.com, W-E-H-R-S, weirsmachine.com. If you happen to get a hold of Chad or any of the fine folks down there, thank them for supporting the One to Go show. Once again joined by Mr. Burt Lehman and racer Ryan A. So we're going to get to that, uh, but uh, we're going to start off, I guess, with uh, little Ryan A. back in the saddle action. Pretty exciting. Well, here's the deal. I wasn't even planning on it, right? We do the show last Monday. I'm like, I had no clue that I was going to race. I was up, up north helping a buddy uh, with some trucking stuff, and he says, hey, let's go over to the shop and work on the car. I want to race on Thursday in Rapids. I'm like, okay, cool. He goes, yeah, we should race. So I'm like thinking in my mind, yeah, I'll go with him. And he's got uh, Kevin Eater's old Mott, <coughs> old Taylor car. And uh, we put on scales. We started going through it, checking a few things out. And pretty soon he started kind of giving me subtle hints. Well, you should drive it. I'm like, no, I haven't driven a race car since 2016. I'm like, come on. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in looking dumb. I'm, I'm good enough at doing that. And he's like, well, here's the deal. And actually he says, well, you can't do any worse than Bloomquist. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, so he talked me into it and I figured if nothing else I can uh, you know scratch the itch a little bit go out there maybe make a couple changes to the car it really wasn't bad I, I kind of sallied up I did I there's no hot laps so I pound that I, I wasn't about to pound it in of course I drew pole like I don't I couldn't drop pole when I was racing all the time but I drew pole when I like haven't raced and I got SD with a brand new car next to me I got broken with a $50,000 lethal behind me I'm like if I go in the corner and wad these guys up, they are going to kill me. So I kind of sallied up a little bit. But by the end, you know, by the end of it, I kind of realized, you know, a couple little changes to the car. I don't know that I'm getting back in it, but I think hopefully he's going to race it on Thursday. But it was pretty fun getting back out. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. One thing that I noticed is I had a whole lot of fans come. You know, people, they, they haven't seen me race in a long time. And I think the fan base now is different than it was when I was racing. You think about the guys like Harry Hansen. Harry Hansen had 50 to 100 people just by himself. They only came just to see Harry Hansen. And when he quit racing, bam, the fan count's gone. I used to, I used to joke. I said, you know, the, the fan count really started going down when I quit. And uh, I'm, I, I get people saying, oh, yeah, whatever. But it's kind of true because my generation, I think we, we intertwined with the fans and especially the generation of racers before me. There was a lot more fan driver interaction. And now you think about all these young stars, they don't, I mean, not that they don't have fans, but they don't have the same kind of following in my opinion. And I think that's why the fan counts are so down just because of that. So I, I told Bob at Rapids, I said, you got to cut me a little bit bigger check. I brought in more fans than everybody else here. You got to pay me more. He says, you got to do better. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. So, but it was fun getting back out there. And uh, I know that you were there, but you know, I, I didn't impress anybody. We ended up with a, not so solid sixth, uh, pretty low car count, but didn't tear up any equipment. Um, lot did a lot better than half the guys did in Hibbing because it was like a wreck and rodeo. So I think we uh, we did okay there. But you just, uh, I guess I had to scratch the edge. It was, it was pretty fun though. No, no, I thought a couple of comments on that. First, I thought you looked fine. What, what? Well, let me go back to what you said about fans. It's easy you know, to be smooth the... when you're going slow, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
like you said, though, I remember, yeah, 20 years ago, there was a long line to get into the pits after, especially in Hibbing. They'd be all the way up the up into the grandstands, and now there's seems like there's 12 people that go into the pits. So I, I agree kind of with that that fan driver interaction. And like I said, yeah, I'm in the saddle since 2016. Have, did you notice any anything majorly different in the cockpit? Is you know, um, with with the race car these days versus back in '16. No, I, I think the cockpit's shrunk. There, it's harder to get in and out of when you put on 25 pounds and uh, you're a little bit out of shape. Nah, nah, I don't think anything's really changed as far as that goes. I, I'm just a little fluffier than I was when I was racing. So uh, getting in the car is fine. Getting out of it, I, I told the safety guy, I said, man, if I get in a bad crash or whatever, you better get out of the, get over here because I have a hard time getting out of this thing because it's pretty tight. Other than that, uh, you know, honestly, you know, after a handful of laps kind of watching the tape, I watched, you know, a few people tape me. I looked at it and I'm like, if I would have changed this, this, and this, we'd have been a lot faster. So, you know, it's one of those deals. When you, it's the middle of August, you're probably not going to be very fast out of the gate when everybody else has raced. And I haven't raced in four years, but uh, it's one of those things that I probably better stay away from. Um, otherwise, it'll be two things broke and single. Yeah. <laughs> get the itch. Get the itch. <laughs> All right, Bert, let's get you involved. Uh, the Lucas Oil Late Model Series was down in Batesville, Arkansas for the annual Topless 100. Uh, won by Jimmy Owens. Well, he actually had three nights of racing. We had T-Mac winning one of the prelims. We had Owens winning on Friday night and one of the prelims and then Owen taking home the big crown on Saturday. So thoughts about the weekend down there in Batesville, Bert? Well, the thought is... Uh... Uh, the clock struck midnight about uh, half a lap too, too short for Billy Moyer. Uh, that would have been a Cindy, Cinderella story to have him win that. I, I watched the highlights of the race, and um, I didn't think he was going to be able to get there. But then on the last lap, he found something in one and two, and I thought he was going to be able to get it. But he, he just couldn't keep it down, hit the wall. But, hey, you got to give him credit. I mean, if you're going to – you know, he didn't settle for second. He was going for the win, and he wound up finishing fourth. But, I mean, I, I'd rather have a fourth and, you know, try to go for the win than, than a second. Although the pocketbook might, might say otherwise because there's probably a fairly significant difference between second and, and fourth because a lot of time in these shows it's a big drop from some of the top positions. But uh, one of the questions I had is uh, who has the kryptonite for Jonathan Davenport? I mean, that guy is just, he's just nowhere anymore. I mean, he, he finished 11th in the big show. He had to pit uh, for tires, but I mean, McCready pitted for tires at the same time Davenport did. And McCready worked his way back up to, and finished third in the final rundown. So, uh, uh, you know, he definitely not Superman this year. Superman this year is definitely Jimmy Owens. <laughs> not incredible. Ryan, your thoughts. And, and Ryan, one thing I wanted to ask you too, I don't know if they needed to pit, but it seemed like yeah, T-Mac and JD pitted about lap 40, a little too early possibly. Well, I don't know about too early. I mean, honestly, the track sucked. I mean, all three nights it was black, one lane. I mean, it, it just wasn't good racing down there. I was really disappointed that they didn't farm it at least one of the nights to give them a better surface. Um, as far as Davenport goes, I still think it's right here, right? It's all in his head. And, and racing is one of those deals that where if you're confident, you drive totally different. And, and I just, I think he's losing some confidence because he's not winning and it's, you know, it's really messing with him. Because if you're off just a little bit in one of those cars, you're off a lot. 
right? There is no just off a little bit. So I think, I think it's a confidence issue where, I mean, he even went guys in race kind of cherry pick when the USA nationals were going on. He couldn't even win then. So, but he doesn't, he's not driving the same. He's not driving like Superman. He's not driving with that, that certainty of where he's going. So that's a struggle, but Billy Moyer, man, I was hoping he was going to win. Bird, did you notice? I mean, the crowd was electrified when he got next to him. I mean, you could see him cheering and on their feet when he got next to Owens for the lead. I mean, they went mental. And, uh, I mean, that's his home turf, right? I mean, right there in Batesville, uh -huh. that would have been incredible. So, what I, I guess the biggest thing I got out of it, of course, Owens still the man in Lucas Oil. He's dominant. But Billy Moyer has a huge, huge fan base. Yeah, and race fans, he started 18th in that race. Go ahead, Bert, you have something? Well, I just want to say, and I mean, we've we've talked about uh, Earl Pearson Jr. a lot on this show, so we got to give him credit. He finished second uh, in the big show, and uh, he actually finished sixth on Friday night also. So uh, I did see an interview with him afterwards, and he was talking about some, a crew member or somebody who was added to the team, and that has really made a difference, he said. So, uh, you know... You can be a good driver, but you still have to have a team behind you also. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, uh, last show, T-Mac won the North-South 100, and he hadn't won a race since February. So now we have JD and T-Mac tied at 56-15. They're both, you know, of course, tied for second. <laughs> the old show out to a 600-point lead. He's at 6,200. But, you know, T-Max right there, kind of like what we've, you know, seen in the Outlaws. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. The battle for second is really heating up. So the Outlaws will be moving now over to Port, Port Royal for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this weekend. 10K Thursday, 12K Friday, 15K Saturday. And, Ryan, I know you wanted to co uh, comment a special guest will be accompanying the Lucas Oil Late Models this coming weekend. Well, we're going to find out just how talented this guy is, right? Kyle Larson, he's, I believe he's driving for Rumley, the six car. You know, I mean, the guy's incredible in open wheels. I mean, he's, he's talented, right? And he's going to get himself into a late model. And there's, it's kind of cool because my sprint car expert, who happened to be at his house right now. So I'm at, at the home. We're at, we're at the, the one to go show. Nor, uh, Twin Port Studio here at my uh, buddy Keith's house. So that's where I'm doing the show. But he's got a little uh, a little man crush, I think, on Kyle Larson. And he's got a bet there with his brother. And uh, we'll get. I'm not going to get into all the details, but there's some money involved. He thinks he's going to go out and win one of these features this weekend. So if he wins some of the features, he's going to be spending a little cash. If he doesn't, his brother and uh, actually his uncle are going to be spending a little cash. So it's going to be kind of interesting guys. I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's a lot more difficult to win in a late model. They're a lot more technical. It's not just up on the wheel. Rumley's smart. He's going to have good equipment, but if he goes out and he even runs in the top five, I'm going to be impressed, right? Because Bloomquist, the greatest late model driver of all time, other than maybe my, my hero, Billy Moyer, he can't finish in the top five, right? So it's obviously difficult. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. The sprint car guy's got to be pretty darn happy that he's going away from them this weekend. Who do you guys got for predictions? You know, I'm going to say, I don't think, Kyle, my, my guess is Kyle Larson's going to make the show. I think he's going to, I think he's going to peak out maybe one of the nights around 10. That would be my guess. What do you guys think Kyle Larson is going to do? Um, I think he'll make, he'll make the shows also. Uh, but 
you know, I don't know the technical aspects of late models as much as you do, but uh, it's a, I know it's a different beast than a sprint car is. And I know Kyle Larson has a lot of talent. I mean, he's proven he can win at the NASCAR level, sprint car level, highest sprint car level. Uh, but, you know, it's still different. And it takes some time to, I, I'm sure it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to it, get accustomed to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he got a top 10 finish, I think that would, I mean, I think he should be super happy with a top 10 finish. Um, you know, it's just not that easy to jump in something you've never raced before. And especially now if he was racing against the, you know, weekly racers, that would be another thing, but he's racing against the best dirt late model racers in the country. So. Is that so, what he was testing last week? Was he testing at Port Royal? No, Cherokee. So Cherokee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to come down to who he parks next to. He parks that Longhorn next to JD. He's not going to do too well. If he parks that Longhorn next to T-Mac, he'll probably <laughs> do a lot better. But no, I don't, you know, he's obviously a fender guy. And, and the more I hear from these late model guys, it's that front right. Like when you were racing, Ryan, it was the right rear. Now I keep hearing it's the front right makes all the difference. And NASCAR, the front right, they say makes all the difference. I think if you get a slick enough track, where it's more like asphalt, I think he could grab a couple of top tens. I mean, like I said, the talent level, even at Lucas, it drops off pretty hardcore after a while. He's going to be in top-notch equipment. He's going to be excited. He's going to be up on the wheel. He's going to want to prove himself. So, I mean, I guess I'm not predicting he'd, he'd get two top tens necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised. Now, if it's a tack fest, it rains. I don't think so, but I think if the track dries out, he's, a, he's raced fenders before, maybe he cracks a couple of top tens. I, well, go ahead, Bert. Well, I, I just wanted to say, too, I mean, there's also a uh, sprint car racer who has had a lot of success who also dabbles in the late models, uh, Donnie Schatz. And, I mean, how many races has he won? How many top tens has he gotten in a late model? Uh, I mean, I think Kyle Larson's talent is probably better than Schatz is. But, you know, again, you know, it, it's just tough, you know, to – jump into a new division and have accept, have success right away. Tony, I mean, Tony Stewart's another guy, right? I mean, he's won in everything. You know, and you talk about the tack, if it gets a cushion or gets – you remember, Kyle Larson carries his nuts in a hefty bag, okay? I mean, he's got <laughs> big old – I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that he is up on the wheel. I mean, he is not afraid of nothing, and that's what it takes to drive the sprint car. you got to have a big set of nuts, right? And he's got that for sure so you know between that he did some testing he's got rumley i i still don't think he's gonna do much better than 10th but it wouldn't surprise me he's phenomenal and uh it'll be a shot to the ego of all of the late model guys if a sprint car guy comes in and kicks their butt i can tell you that much well, Bert, you brought up Donnie Schatz, who's one of North Dakota's favorite sons, you know, born in, in Minot and living in Fargo. But Kyle Larson, according to some reports I heard, made his first ever trip to North Dakota. And Ryan, how, I mean, what do you think Kyle Larson thinks of North Dakota after visiting Friday and Saturday? Uh, Bert, you want to take that first or you want me to roll? You can roll with it. I'll just follow. <laughs> I think that I think it doesn't matter where he unloads. I mean, because he ain't seeing much of anything other than the racetrack, and uh, he he gained more fans. He's gaining more fans. That show he put on, guys, in Grand Forks, Logan Schuhart basically spun him out. He Dale Earnhardt, you know, I just <laughs> rattle in your cage. You turn him down in the infield. Kyle Larson, you remember the rule? If he stops, right, he goes to the back. 
So he stands on the gas, he saves it, he comes shoot back out of the track, and still there was only two laps left, and he still wins. I mean, and it looked insurmountable. He took the white flag. I'm like, well, he didn't get this one, and he just drove by. Was who was leading? Was it Shuhart leading? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Just, he once he bumped him, he got around him. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now Shuhart, I don't know what he was doing there. He entered in the middle, right? And then he entered in the middle, like he was being patient. I think he kind of was. He wasn't charging the cushion, but he entered in the middle and kind of slid up. And Kyle Larson just bonsai it in there and turned down underneath him and took the win, and the crowd erupted. I guess it was just unbelievable to be there. But uh, like I said, the world of outlaw sprint car guys have to be absolutely licking their chops right now, right? They got to be like, man, we get to go to two races this week. Kyle Larson's not going to be there. So somebody else is actually going to win. Like, we're excited about that. So that's that's my thoughts of the whole deal. The point battle is brewing up too, but I'll let Bert touch on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that move, well, the move, you could call it, the, well, it wasn't the pass in the grass like Earnhardt or the spin the win. Uh, but, I mean, when he went in the infield, I was like, okay, he's done. I mean, and then he comes back out and he was, you know, still in – he kept his position, but with when the white flag went, there's, there's no way that he's going to be able to catch him. But I mean, that just shows you the talent that he has that, you know, when he knows he has to drive that car in as hard as he can, he's able to do it and to pull off the victory. And, uh, you know, he, it's just an amazing talent and, you know, it, it's unfortunate what happened to him earlier in the year. But uh, dirt fans are reaping the the benefit of uh, of of what happened, and uh, I think everybody's in, all the dirt fans are enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty incredible, and and like I said, to see the stands erupt like they did in Grand Force, I was kind of in a way surprised. I Man, I know they love their spin car racing, but Donnie's their guy, you know. But uh, everyone seemed to love it. You know, Donnie ended up with a third Friday, a seventh on Saturday. So, like we said, you know he needed to kind of rebound after a rough weekend last weekend. So, I mean, that was pretty decent for the points. Uh, Ryan, do you have an update on kind of where they're at? Yeah, eight points separating right now, first and second. Shuhart leading, Brad Sweets in second. So, it's only eight points, but it's still less than 100 between first and fifth. See, our, our sprint car expert, his brother, Carl, actually shot that over, says, make sure you touch on the points here. It's a lot better <laughs> than the late models. And, uh, yeah, he's right on. I mean, less than 100 points separating the top five. I think it's 64 separating the top three, eight separating first and second. This has been an absolute battle all year long. And and remember, it was just a couple short weeks ago, it was actually Brad Sweet and Donnie Schatz and Schuhart kind of went by him after Knoxville there. So it's going to be an interesting uh, the last month or so, couple months of the season here. A lot of racing to be had, but, you know, it, things can get – I mean, they're already interesting, but they can get even more interesting. So I, I'm excited about that. Yeah, and the World of All uh, Late Models were also in action over the weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they were actually out in Sprint Car Country. country. I watched them in, at Williams Grove. Well, I watched all three races, but at Williams Grove, I wanted to talk about, since we're talking about sprints, you know, legendary sprint car track, that real paperclip oval and walls on both sides, not very banked. They had a treacherous cushion. I looked at that track, and I thought, if I was ever a racer, I don't think I'd want to race there. I don't know. Did uh, did you see any of the racing there, Ryan? Because I, it was treacherous cushion. Like I said, it's like narrow, and you've got this wall. You know, the sprint car, the guardrail, like three high on each side. Each side. I mean, even on the you know on the inside, you have no safe zone. Well, when the sprints were there a couple weeks ago, 
I mean, it was tractioned up and they were ripping axles out and it was, I mean, there was a whole lot of action, but the late models, all three of them shows up, they were pretty dusty. And in fact, our expert in the late models, Jeff mentioned, he goes, the race here, what was it? I don't remember where they were on Saturday. It wasn't Williams Grove Saturday, right? That was Friday. Erie. Yeah. Wherever they, so Saturday at Erie's, he's like, it's so dusty. You can't even see the cars. I mean, we, we talked about Superior being like not very good. Superior was amazing compared to those three races. I mean, it was literally just getting line driver on the track and dusty. And, but yeah, racing with that wall on the inside, wall on the outside, it's kind of how Jamestown, I guess Jamestown doesn't have a wall on the outside. They just had one on the inside. Rapids used to have a guardrail all the way around the inside. And uh, there's some positives to that. There really is because you don't have guys rolling through the inside and spraying the marbles up all over the racetrack. So that's actually a positive. It kind of, there's a, there's a distinct barrier where you can't kind of drive over the tires, but it doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room. You know, you get around some riffraff. I can't imagine a B-Mod feature on a, on a track like that. There'd be nowhere for them to go. And like, there'd be everybody be right. Right. You know, so, you know, it, I just didn't think the racing was good. I thought uh, just too dry, not very entertaining out there. Um, again, team zero struggling, struggling. Um, I got it right here. Weiss, he ran good the first night. He got third, ran good. But then he, I think he broke or something. He got 17th and then he got eighth. But Bloomquist, 25th, 20th, and 19th. Yeah, Bloomquist broke. Bloomquist was up there on at Williams Grove. Uh, he got up to like seventh and broke. He was, he was starting to run that cushion. Ricky was all over the place. Ricky went from eighth to second, back to like 11th. Caught back up the blue because he was running the cushion, very treacherous, pushed a couple of times. And I think he must have broke something too, or just said, heck, it's just too tough out here. So he pulls off. So another point though that's getting interesting now is that Cade Dillard, uh, Ricky Weiss, I mean, Dillard just continues to gain ground on him. He does. And he's so, so much smoother. Ricky, I don't remember what track it was of the three, but they kept showing him. Like he'd roll in, he'd pick up a push, and he'd drive all the way up the racetrack in two with his wheels locked to the left. I don't know something. That was, was Williams wrong. Grove. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. That was Willie. I'm like, what in the world? You know, I'm thinking in my mind, maybe he had brake issues or maybe there, I mean, there might've been something wrong because it didn't look, I mean, it's not normal for Ricky Weiss to be that out of shape on a racetrack. Even if he's not quite up to par, he's smooth. He's a hell of a wheel, man. Something in, in my mind maybe went awry on him there, but uh, yeah, they kept showing him. They're like, boy, he's really struggling with turn two. I'm like, no, no. They're like, but he didn't wad up the field, which is good. But, man, I hope he gets that deal turned around. Them Team Zero cars are just struggling like crazy. And uh, he was my pick to win it all this year. Of course, Brandon Shepard has it all but locked up. I mean, I know there's a lot of racing left, but he's been just unbelievable all year long. But Ricky, uh, he, he's got some work to do to figure out that Team Zero. And if he doesn't figure it out by the end of the year, the question is, is he going to be with Team Zero in 2021? That'd be my question. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's some, some final notes there. Uh, so Dennis Herb on Saturday night won. He got his first win of 2020. Uh, B-Shep won on Thursday and Friday. So Thursday was his 12th win of the year. Uh, Friday was his 13th. So he, like I said, pretty much got the thing uh, wrapped up. Rick Eckert, who came off the USA Nationals hot, actually was hot the previous week and won a couple races locally. He got second on Thursday and third on Friday. And Chubzilla, Chubb Frank actually made – uh, the show on Saturday night. So that was interesting to see Chubb Frank. And one final thought for me, that Ashton Winger, who's running for the rookie of the year, that kid's got his shit together. I mean, you're starting to hear, I know I said a couple of months ago that you heard his name more and more. And, and uh, now it's like, you know, you kind of look about fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, his name is there. 
and he's a charger. He's a charger. He's up on the wheel. He's going to be fun to watch. He's young. Um, he, I'm, I'm glad to see somebody kind of rolling through the ranks here that, that could be maybe a factor next year, you know, for a top five in the points, top three in the points. So you're exactly right. Bert, did you watch any of that World of Outlaw stuff? I didn't see any of the World of Outlaw stuff. Uh, I, I was kind of paying attention to Bobby Pierce's finishes because he was, uh, he was racing uh, in those races, but he was racing for other people. And what was surprising to me was the people, he was racing for different people each night and they all had different chassis. So I was curious to see how he would do each night because he was racing a different chassis every night. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting deal. I mean, it's not easy to jump from car to car to car to car. It's not. And uh, speaking of that, Boom Briggs, I, I couldn't figure out whose car he was driving. Maybe somebody can post it in the comments when they see the show so we can figure it out. But he was driving a 1J car all weekend. So I'm wondering if that's a local guy over that way or maybe, I don't know if that's a long-term deal or if it was just a weekend deal. But Boom Briggs, didn't he get, did he get third that one night? Yeah, he led most of the laps on Saturday. And that's home for him, you know, Bear Lake, Pennsylvania. And he led, I would say, close to the majority of laps. And then Herb got around him. Uh, I think he got second. I, I think, think he was second, second, actually. Yeah, I think, yeah, because yeah, Shepard's worst be, finish of the weekend was third. That would be his best show of the year. Because he's been a non-factor so. all year long. So good to see him get a good run out there as well. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, good to see Herb. You know, he deserves a win. He follows the series pretty loyal. Remember at the beginning of the year, he got the, the, the win taken away because of the scale deal. Remember that and all the – he said, you know, I went to Tech and nobody came to me, so I went to my pit and all that stuff. So good to see that he was able to get a win there. All right, we'll get off the national stuff, get a little bit closer to home. There was racing, but there wasn't racing. We had racing down at MTS but uh, for the Dairyland 50, but we couldn't quite get her all in. Uh, which one of you wants to start on that one? All right, I'll start. Um, yeah, um, they didn't. They didn't get the features in for the mod modifieds and the late models because they were farming the track, and then rain came and rained out the features. And I know right away the next day. I mean, I I give uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedway credit. They got on Facebook. They apologized for what happened. They said they felt like they needed to farm the track for it to be good racing that if they wouldn't have farmed the track, it wouldn't have been racing up to their par. But that leads the question, leads to the question, which is better, having really good racing or getting the racing actually in? Um, I mean, from my perspective, you know, since I live on the eastern side of the state, if I would have been at that show, you know, I would have been driving three to four hours. And to drive that far, I'd rather see racing, even if it wasn't top notch as well as what they expect. But at least I'm going to get something for the money that I paid rather than watching farm, farm machinery going around the track. So, I mean, they had good intentions, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. I've made. 100% of every single decision I've ever made has been exactly right on after the fact, <laughs> right? So that, that's just the way it is. It's hindsight's 2020, but man, you know who gets screwed in this deal is superior because now they got to run double features next week. See, they, they had a couple support classes and they ran the support classes first and then they farmed it. And it's like, 
you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and we all make mistakes, and they own up to it, which is great. But weren't they watching the weather? I mean, I mean, look, like literally just look at your radar, right? I mean, you, they had to know weather was coming. So that kind of sucks. And, you know, you take a look at people like John Cantha, Pat Doerr, Jeffrey Massengill, all these guys that would be racing Superior Friday night. Well, now Superior is going to lose out on a whole bunch of late models that would have been coming. And they don't run them every week. They haven't run them in, in several weeks at Superior. So now all them guys got to go back down to Mississippi Thunder, you know, and yes, they added another late model show. So they have the five grand to win show. Plus it's going to be, I believe, a minimum of two grand to win for a second show. But that, that's kind of a, it's a, that's a tough one. It's a big mistake. I agree with Bert there where it's much better to just say, you know what, you know, it, it is what it is. The track's not going to be up to par. It is what it is. We got to get the race in. Let's go. You know, instead of trying to be a perfectionist on this whole deal, you know, it, it's just, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, it really, really was a bad deal. And, you know, they've been, they've been doing pretty darn good over there. So I'm guessing they won't make that same mistake twice. I mean, they've, they've had a whole lot more good things happen over at Mississippi Thunder this year than bad. Oh, yeah. And every time that they've had something, even I remember earlier in the year when um, they, um, Bob Tim jumped on, he said, oh, the track was just terrible. And I'm like, I watched it. I didn't think it was that bad. But, but they're perfectionists. Like, he wants it to be right on every time. And I think it was last week we talked about it. I think it was the USRA late models. The track wasn't very good. He says, well, we're going to do this over again. We're going to have another 1,000 a win show because the track sucked for you guys. Right. So he's, he's a perfectionist is what he is. But that's also why that place is beautiful. They got a lot of great shows. So they're going to learn from this stuff that they're doing, and they're going to continue to grow and get better from that. And I'm really excited to see, honestly, what the next couple of years are going to bring at Mississippi Thunder because they just keep building and building and building on that place. So um, who do you guys pick to win? You know, the front row is Jake Tim, right? The poor man's Bobby Pierce. And he's next to the <laughs> X-Factor. You got Jesse Glenn's outside row number one. That's exciting. That's worth going down there all by itself, seeing them two on the front row. And it's stacked. They had a good field of cars. I picked Jesse Glenn's to win. He's in good position. Puka, didn't you pick Jake Tim? Jake Tim was my guy. No, I thought I picked Jake Tim. Oh, did you pick Jake Tim? Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, who I, did you pick, Puka? Well, well, maybe you did. I guess I'd have to go. I mean, I... <laughs> I know one of you guys did. Yeah, I yes. thought I had Tim. So maybe I'm, I'm sticking with my pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay nice. Maybe I went with Sorensen then. Maybe I went with Sorensen because I knew it was somebody that already won a race. So I figured, you know, so if you picked him, then maybe I went with Sorensen. So beautiful so, car, by the way. Beautiful car. Wait, wait, pick that up again. Pick that up again. I did I did not make this. Uh, this one was made by American Diecast Company. No, no, you can drop it. See, what you need to do is you need to take a hammer and you got to smash that right <laughs> corner and rip the sail panel off and kind of yeah. shove it up because yeah. he likes to bang that cushion. See, yeah. if that was a real Jake Tim diecast, that whole right rear quarter would be pushed right up on the car, and uh, you'd have tire marks down the side of it a little bit. He, he likes to get exciting. It's, I, I have a hell of a time watching him. He's fun to watch. Um, he's one of the guys that – he reminds me of Bobby Pierce. I probably wouldn't want to race against him all the time, but I for dang sure want to go watch him for sure. So that's going to be good. So um, I guess I'm sticking with Glenn's. You're sticking with uh, Jake Tim and Puka. Do you want to change your pick? 
Too bad you can't. No, I, I, I like Sorensen there. I like you know. I watched him a little bit Saturday night. So the whole caravan moved uh, from MTS on Friday up to Cedar Lake. Five thousand win late. Five thousand win mods. Were you done, Ryan, or did you have any more? Yeah, MTS? yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And um, um, you know, Sorensen of course was there in both cars. But uh, what was it? One hundred seventy-nine cars in the pits. Is that what I heard at Cedar Lake? Flashback yeah. to the nineties on a you know six, six classes. It's five grand to win for mods. Five grand to win for late models, two big specials with great car cones, and they got six classes of cars. Oh my God, insane! I don't know what time the races got done, but I don't think it was early. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I watched the late model feature and I went to bed at like uh, 11 40. So, not horrible <laughs> then, not so, I mean, but, they, but they had two more divisions. Yes, okay, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, it was definitely a late one, but uh. There was some good racing, and, and I guess either one of you start. I mean, Puka, I know you watched that race. You know, what, what stuck out to you, in the, in especially the late model feature there? Well, I just wanted to start by saying the guy who kind of stole the show for the night was the guy me and Bert loved his interview, that Gavin Terrace, 13 years old, wins his first USRA late model feature. It was a great interview at the USA Nationals when he got second in the heat. He came in, and they gave him a little interview, and he said, oh, second place, he happy. And he said, well, I didn't come here for second place, you know, so – because I think the guy, the interviewer asked him if he could improve, and he said, well, yeah, I didn't come here for second place. So congratulations to him. Uh, the late model feature, yeah, I mean, hey, let's face it, you know, your pick down there, Jesse Glenn, for MTS, your pick, Jesse Glenn, continues to stay hot, hot, hot. Of course, he pushed, hit the wall, but he was tracking things down. Daryl Nelson looked pretty impressive. Demo, the you know, Demo is, uh, was pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. I guess that's kind of all I got. Bert, what are you thinking? Well, first of all, I want to say, um, I mean, you're talking about the car count. Well, there's at least five drivers who race both the late models and modified division. That's one thing that you don't see too much in the eastern side of Wisconsin, but on the western side of the state in Minnesota, you guys have a lot of that. And um, I mean, which is good. I, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jesse Glenn's, I, if he doesn't hit the wall, I, I think that could have been a repeat of one of the races at the USA Nationals because Giassi was leading and Glenn's got him at the end. And I think that that would have happened again because I know I sent you guys a text. I said, here comes the 7X. And then oh, shortly after that, he hit the wall. But uh, I saw Jesse did post on Facebook that uh, uh, when you play with fire, sometimes it comes back to bite you. And you know, you know, he's, he's right. But you know, when you're, when you're pushing on the cushion, you know, you have to hit your spot every single lap and, you know, one small slip up and it's into the wall. And that, that was his case, but he is fun to watch and uh, you know, well worth the price of admission. Yeah. He's fun to watch, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to invitational time. Because I'm going to get to see some of these guys in person. Giassi, he's another guy that he doesn't get talked about quite as much, but he's one of the few. He's got two big wins under his belt. He won the Twin 25s, right? And now he won that 5,000 win show at Cedar. Um, Jesse Glenn's got three because he won both days of the USA Nationals. And um, then he won that 4,200. He won that deal over in Plymouth. But, I mean, you look at that, they're the only two guys that have multiple big wins in, like, the Wissota region. 
You know, you look at a Hannison, he's got the one for 10 grand. You got Becker's got one, but them guys got multiple wins. So it's exciting. And, and Daryl Nelson right now, guys, he is like literally scratching to get in the top 10 in the power rankings. He doesn't have a win yet, but the guy never finishes out of the top three. He's had a couple rough nights in there where maybe something happened, but he's, he seems like I looked at his results. He's in the top three, like every night. I mean, he's, he's bolted. He's just got to get a little bit maybe better luck in the heats or do, something's maybe missing in the heat races. And uh, if he gets a couple wins coming up here, Daryl Nelson's going to climb right up in the top 10 of the power rankings. He's been, I think he's the fastest guy around right now by far that has yet to win a feature this year. Yeah. I want to also say, you, you missed one of Giassi's other big wins. He won the, the first race in first late model race in Wisconsin when the state was still shut down. He won the opening <laughs> night at Mississippi Thunder in front of yep. – there was no fans at that one, was there? Very limited. If, if It might have just been crew guys. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so both of them too. And, and, and what's crazy is they're tight, right? They're like – they're really good buddies. Yep. Jesse Glenn's, James Nitro Giassi, um, they get along good, and they are like – two young guns in this sport that I hope they stick with this deal because it's going to be fun to watch these guys for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan, you've talked about Cedar Lake kind of being the mecca of, of late model, or at least that was at one time. And when's the last time you remember two young guys dominating Cedar Lake? I mean, we, and Bert, you remember this, when we went through that era where it was Matthews, it was Eggersdorf, it was Jerry Radetzky, it was Nesbitt. I mean, I mean, Brady Smith had some good years when he was young. I mean, Mars had some good years. Uh, but then he left, but there hasn't been like a tandem like that. There was a young guy, not young guys. Right, right. Yeah, you're, you're exactly spot on. And now, now you throw into the mix. If these guys decided, hey, we want to run a little bit more locally, you throw in a Jake Tinnum and Dustin Sorensen. Yeah. And, man, things can get crazy exciting over there. So I, I really, really would like to see the guys run a little bit more, I guess, of the local type stuff, but that's they, I think they kind of have more open motor stuff in their cars, but, but there's a lot of young guns coming up in that area in the late models and up, you know, and I guess in the Northern region, we have, I guess one of the younger guys would be Jeffrey Massengill, who's really had a solid season, you know, and, and he's hitting all those shows, right? He's, he's actually leaving the home area and he's like, whether I win or don't win, I'm going to go race against the best guys that I can race against. And by doing that, it's only going to make him better. So he's another guy. Keep an eye on that 6M come invitational season here. It's going to, it'll be interesting to see if all that time around all them top guys pays off and maybe he can steal one of those wins come invite time. Yeah, that'd be great. Bert, do you have any closing comments? Um, no, I just wanted to say I had a chance to interview <laughs> both Giassi and uh, Jesse Glenn's. And, I mean, they're they're just good people also in, in addition to good racers, down to earth. And, uh, in, in fact, uh, I'm working on a Giassi story for Dirt Monthly magazine right now. And, uh, and uh, Giassi sent me a Facebook message uh, Sunday, I think it was, m mentioning that He's got the twin 25 win and this other win, and he wants me to add that to the story. So I'll probably be talking to him about that. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Hats <laughs> off to them, guys. It's invitational season's right around the corners. Uh, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. 
All right, well, let's uh, let's get to some races that we got to visit, uh, or at least Bert and I got to visit. So, uh, yeah, I made the trip to Hibbing this weekend uh, where they had the uh, Renegade Sprints. Uh, we had an hour and 45-minute rain delay, uh, which I think could have been handled. Uh, you know, you don't want to be too negative and obviously get rain. Uh, you know, it's tough, but an hour and 45 minutes when you had 75 or so cars on the track, you know, they, they had them packing, and then they pulled cars off, and they had Tyler Kittner hot-lapping by himself for three laps on the slime, and then they – had some mods come out and hot lap. Then they had a couple of lates come out and join them. Then some other lates came out. They put them in the infield and parked them. Um, but all in all, you know, the, you know, they worked in the track, ended up being pretty decent. Uh, Ryan, I know you had some comments on Hibbing. Well, Jeff Provenzino finally remembered how to get to victory lane. I think it's been honestly – I don't think he won anything last year, and he hadn't won anything this no, year. No, he didn't win. So – Yeah, they said to... first win. Fleischer said first, first win since June 9th of 18 at Hibbing. Wow. And, and I, I don't know if he's won anything else in 18 because he's, he's had a couple off years. So good to see him back. And he's worked hard. I mean, he, he literally took a sawzall. He cut all the mounts off the car. He made some changes. He did a little research and, you know, and, and uh, he, the car was better. And he started, I believe, third row. So he passed his way up there. And then the track kind of locked down once he got there, but he didn't start in the front. So we passed some guys to get there. So good to see the 28 finally get back to victory lane. Um, another thing that I thought was awesome, it's not late models. It's not modified. It's, right? it's not even super stocks. But uh, my buddy Chad Finkbone is running a pure stock. And his son, Chaston Finkbone, 12 years old, is running a Hornet. And both of those two locked up the track championships. And, and they got a big lead in Rapids. So you're going to see father-son each. They're going to win double track championships. So that was a pretty cool deal. I've known that family. George Finkbone's been involved with racing. Used to do the track for years. Great job over at the Grand Rapids Speedway. And he kind of helps take care of both them cars. So really cool to see. They came out in victory lane together at the end of the night and got a bunch of pictures. And they were pretty emotional. So um, congratulations to them guys for sure. And Bert, you got, did you get to visit Plymouth or were you just honed in on Plymouth? I was just honed in on Plymouth. Uh, I wasn't there, but yeah, Plymouth had uh, their cha championship night for the late models on Saturday. And uh, Justin Schmidt, uh, who's won the previous two track championships there, entered the feature two points down, I believe. Uh, this is from uh, what I read and uh, came out, won the race and won the championship. Uh, so, I mean, he raced his way to the championship. Uh, actually, his last four weeks at Plymouth in the feature, uh, four weeks ago, he finished second, and then he finished third, and he's won the last two weeks. So he definitely, uh, you know, drove himself to a championship, and that's kind of how he won his first championship. Um, I believe he was trailing entering the feature the first time he won a championship, and he finished high enough to win the championship. But that time, the person that he beat out for the championship was his dad. Uh, so <laughs> so <laughs> that was, uh, uh, you know, that, that's always a bittersweet moment. You know, you win the championship, but you denied your dad a championship also. But, yeah, he won the championship at Plymouth. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to him. And uh, I, I made it to Shano on Saturday night. Uh, I took my granddaughter, my wife and I took our granddaughter to her first race. Uh, she enjoyed it. She only made it through the late model heats. And then my, my wife took her home. Uh, I stayed for the rest of the show. Uh, but uh, she said that my granddaughter said she, she's only, she's three. She said she enjoyed it and she wants to go back. So, so I, 
I'll, I'll take that. And I, I think it was a uh, success. <laughs> and Kyle, Rat was it Radant? Is that what Redan, it is? Yeah. Kyle Kyle Redan, three in a row. Three in a yeah. row for his second, second in a row at Shano, but he has a Dirt Kings uh, victory at Gravity Park mixed in there. Uh, we might so have yeah, got a little grief last week, Bert, from some of the Eastern Wisconsin fans. Oh, They're a little <laughs> upset. They're like, "Why is this guy? Why is this guy up there? Why isn't my guy up there?" Well, he won three in a row. Your guy didn't win three in a row. I'm yeah. sorry, right? So, and, so and yeah, put I mean, Justin Schmidt up there too. Now you know he's in the as, as you saw, he's in the top ten of the power rankings too. He started eighth in that feature and won. He didn't start on the front row and win. He started eighth and won. So both them in the top two. Two Eastern guys in the top ten of the power rankings. But hats off to Bert for taking new new fan to the racetrack. Yeah. And I do want to say something about Kyle Rodant that I didn't say on last week's show. Um, he was a sport mod driver before he jumped to late models. And I'm not sure if he would have jumped to late models but his final year racing a sport mod, Jared Seifert, who races late models, uh, let uh, Kyle race his car one night, race his late model one night. And he enjoyed it so much that at the end of the year, he bought the car from Seifert. So maybe some of these late model guys got to let some of these other guys, you know, give it a try and, you know, try to build up the numbers a little bit. <laughs> well, there's two ways to look at that, right? Because now he's beaten Seifert. Right? So I was like, oops, I shouldn't have did that. But isn't that kind of what drug dealers do, right? They just give you a taste of it, and then hopefully you just keep buying, right? So I'm not sure if what he did there is legal. I'm not really sure. That's what pet store people do. They say, hey, take this kitty home overnight, and then uh, come back and bring it home. You know those cats that are roaming around behind me once in a while? That's what happened there. Bring it home, you know, and then bring it back tomorrow. And then, the, you know, the kids are like, oh, they're not getting rid of this. So, yeah, that's an old trick. But, uh, yeah, good for them, and that's a good idea, Bert. So another storyline we're following tonight are the NLRA late models. They had a three-day swing through North Dakota. Ryan, you want to fill us in on that? Dustin Strand, Dustin Strand, Dustin Strand, number one in the power rankings. Um, he went out to Ada. He went to Grand Forks. He won both. I mean, he's been on fire, guys. He's got a pile of wins in that 71 car. And on uh, Saturday, he went to Jamestown. And what's weird is he, he basically didn't work on his stuff all day long. Brody Trofgruben, who got his first win a couple weeks ago, he hurt some stuff the night before. So Strand, they worked all day long on his car to help them get, get them ready so they could get to Jamestown. You know, I saw a big thank you to him on Facebook, which that's pretty cool. Um, of course, it's his business. That's what he does. But it's still pretty cool. Um, but then he went to Jamestown, and he got himself in the fence in the heat race. And he hit hard. He he jumped, he wrecked the car. I don't know exactly how bad, but he wrecked it bad enough to where he didn't even get to race the feature on Saturday. Fortunately for him, he had a huge point lead, but it's down to 60 now. You know, they get double points. They got a little different point structure there. But uh, he, he diminished the point lead. Croft Rubin second, Sang, who actually won in Jamestown. He's in the top 10 of the power rankings as well. He actually uh, is sitting third, and he missed the night. Um, his daughter had hockey because of the whole COVID deal. They had to move things around. So Sang just took a night off, says, you know, hey, daughter comes first. I'm going to go take care of her, go, go with her for hockey. And he, he missed a night in that deal. But uh, Strand has been unbelievable this year in the late model. And again, like Bert said, that's another guy that runs mods and lates, right? Um, typically, you don't see him running them both on the same night, though. Typically, he if he's bringing the late, he just brings the late. And if he's running the mod, he just brings a mod most of the time. Um, but either way, when he unloads either one of them, he, he wins a lot of races for sure. 
Yeah, well, yeah, he brought the mod down south this week. I think he went to Arizona with the mod this year, which I was surprised. You know, he's like, he, he won that. The mod and stuff. Yeah, 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 he yeah that's right. He won that whole deal. The Wild West deal down there. Yeah, he won that. I mean, and they build they build their own cars. I mean, I mean, his dad's a multi-time national champ, you know, and, and of course, Dustin's a multi-time national champ, you know, so they got a lot of knowledge there. And, and, I mean, talented race car drivers. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care where he goes. If he – he doesn't leave his home area. He runs a lot of that NLRA stuff. But all the other late model guys should be happy about that because he's another guy that you could put him anywhere, and he's a threat to win everywhere he goes. And as, as a fan, I'm like, man, I wish I could get some of these guys to travel a little bit more. I want to see some of the top guys against the top guys. But there's so much racing going on, it just doesn't work that way all the time. Maybe, maybe Fergus or maybe, maybe something like that. I'm not sure. But somehow, some way, we got to get all these top guys together and just let them duel it out. All right. They also had three nights of racing in South Dakota for the late models. Yeah. You're on back. Yeah. Well, Friday night, you know, um, a guy that's just been on fire, a rookie, Tyler McDonald, he got her done at Aberdeen. So, I mean, another win for him. <clears throat> I think that's maybe five on the year for Tyler McDonald. Hell of a rookie year for him. Huron, who hasn't raced for a couple of years, Chad Becker started up front. He won that. But what's interesting, and I haven't got the backstory on this. I tried, but I, I couldn't get the facts. There was five people that had DNS that didn't start the feature. So, I don't know what happened there. And so, I looked at my race pass. I saw DNS, DNS, DNS five of them, and then I saw DQ, DQ. I'm like, DQ? Why'd they get DQ'd? So evidently, Cole Searing, another rookie, guys, keep an eye on Cole Searing. He has only a couple races out of the top five all year since he got in, right? I mean, he has been bolted in that late model. Now, somehow, some way, he got together with David McDonald. I don't know what happened on the track. I couldn't find no video footage of it, but after the races, they were playing a little kissy face and whatever happened, right? Whatever <laughs> happened, Cole, um, David McDonald ended up on basically the hood of, of uh, Cole Searing. Not again. And I talked to Cole Searing. He's like, I was parked there. And he just backed up on, he hit me, backed into me and he backed up on me. And I talked to my buddy Josh and he's like, well, I talked to David McDonald and he said, well, Cole ran into me. So I backed up on him. So, and so they're racers. It's never their fault. But needless to say, the officials saw it and they said, all right, you two, you're both disqualified. And uh, so a little bit of drama there at Huron. And then, of course, uh, you, you remember that Captain Insano coloring books and all that stuff? Remember that? So Captain Insano himself, Chad Williamson, he got her done at Casino Speedway. So Cole Searing started like fourth row, got up to third in that one. He looked really good there, too. But Captain Insano finally parked in the 57 ride in Victory Lane in the late model there. So um, it was cool to see finally three nights of racing out there and got to watch Casino Speedway. Track wasn't great, but Searing, again, well, keep an eye on him. Um, I think right now, driver for driver and, and how things are shaping up, he could be the hottest driver right now in South Dakota, other than maybe Tyler McDonald. And again, we talked about the young guns at Cedar Lake, right? They're both rookies. They're both rookies. So you got at Cedar Lake, you got so think about all the late model guys. You got Glanz and Giassi, Jake Tim, Dustin Sorensen, Cole Searing, Tyler McDonald, right? So you got all these young guns in different regions. Kyle Redant, he's a young young guy too, isn't he, Bert? Mm -hmm. Yes. How old Justin Schmidt? How old is he? 
Uh, he's not that old. I mean, I would say early 30s at the oldest. Yeah, so he might be the old guy in the group, right? But, I mean, if you look spread out, it's 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 pretty exciting because I was worried. I'm going, man, you start looking at all these late model guys. They're all old. They're all going to retire. But now we just mentioned eight of them right there, all in different regions, plus Brody Trough Group. And that's another one who looked really good at Devil's Lake, got a win here. So there's a whole bunch of young guys in the late models that are really fast. And uh, so, so we're starting to maybe get that next generation of late model drivers. So as a race fan who's going to kick back and watch some racing, I'm not going to get behind the wheel. That's not my deal anymore. I'm going to watch. Um, I'm excited for late model racing in our region for sure. Well, you, you oh. said that, you know, if only there's a way to get all these guys together, maybe a one-to-go show invitational. Yeah, we, may, it, 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 we, might, we might have to do something. We'll have to talk about that. Maybe that's a long-term plan. You know, maybe we're going to have to open up our checkbooks here a little bit, or maybe Puka. He's going to call the money. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to try to get like a 20 grand to win or something like that and get all these guys there because this five ten grand deal just ain't doing it. And uh, I think if you put enough money on the line, though, we might have a – we could have a heck of a late model show for sure. Could be fun. All right, Bert, uh, the Hell Tour wrapped up over the weekend. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian Shirley uh, won the Hell Tour. I was looking over uh, some of the totals from the tour. I was kind of curious to see how many drivers actually followed the entire tour. And I found out that four drivers uh, raced in all 20 – I believe it was 24 races – um, but Brian Shirley had seven feature wins on the year, won the championship by more than 100 points over Frank Heckenest. Uh, and Jason Figger was third. Heckenest had three wins and Figger had two wins. Uh, but I was curious on the money. So uh, uh, over the tour, Brian Shirley made $85,600. Uh, Heckenest, and I'm assuming this is just race winnings, not any winnings for, from the tour itself. Uh, Heckenest made 46300 and Jason Fager made $44,150. And uh, just following the, the entire series doesn't guarantee that you're going to make a lot of money. Uh, Bob Gardner followed the entire tour, raced all 24 races, and his earnings were 14500 Maybe throw that guy a sponsorship or something. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Following that whole deal. That's a hell of a commitment for him. So hats off to him for doing that. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that's a big commitment. All right, Ryan, did the uh, Street Stock Tour get in? I was kind of watching the radar. They were in Lisbon, right? It did. Yeah, they were in Lisbon, the Cheyenne Speedway. And, guys, again, I mean, what a tour. What a tour. Hell of a job to Benji over there. Um, for putting that whole deal, helping to put that whole deal together. Some of the street stock guys, Justin Vogel, Riley, um, um, the other one was uh, Johnny Carter. They came together and they said, let's do this deal. And he kind of took the bull by the horn, make it happen. Now, they came into the last night. Eric Riley was leading the points by two, right, at, at the home track of Johnny Carter. That's his hometown, his home track. Eric Riley's outside pole with a two-point lead Developed a miss in the heat race, had to pull off, you know, or I think he pulled off or ran in the back or whatever, but still had enough of a finishing position to start second. And he ended up pulling off with engine issues. Johnny Carter wins, held off a hard charging Billy Chris from Jamestown, who put all kinds of pressure on him. And uh, he just got her done. So tough break for Eric Riley. That's a, a sucky way to lose, right? I mean, he, 
He had everything there for the taking and just couldn't get it to run. But uh, hats off to Johnny Carter. He's a class act. If you guys met him, everybody likes him. Just down to earth, fun guy. Last year's national champion in the Wasota Street Stocks. And he won the first ever Steffes Street Stock Tour by basically getting it done on his home track there. So pretty, pretty cool deal I got to watch on Dirt Race Central. All right, awesome. Congratulations. And now uh, we'll finish up uh, this part before the last lap here. You want to talk a little bit about Grand Rapids, Ryan? Yeah, you know, I, I got to race there, so I didn't get to watch as much stuff as normal. But you know, Zach Wallers, you know, this kid don't race much. You know, I mean, his dad, multi-time national champion, Zach's an extremely talented race car driver, and he put a beat down on him. He won the late model feature there in Grand Rapids. But we're going to go with, uh, so John Tardy, John Tardy says, hey, I got an idea for you. You got to do Ryan's rant, right? So here it is. Ryan's Rant of the Week, sponsored by Tardy Racing, okay? First of all, I should just say, get your shit together, because I'm sick of watching the 67 suck, okay? But I'm not going to – I did that, but that's all out of love, okay? But the fact of the matter is, you know what I'm sick of seeing? Acting class. I'm sick of seeing acting class, okay? Super stock feature, Kevin Burdick, last year's national champ. He gets to the inside of Kevin Slade. Both these guys are friends of mine, Okay. He gets to the inside of Selene. They drive down into turn one. Burdick forces it in there. I don't know if Selene hooked a rut or whatever, but there was no contact. It's all over the video. And he literally turns to the right. He drives up the track. He stops. Yellow comes out. And Stevie Wonders, the corner guy there, so he didn't see it, right? And they put Burdick to the back because when he spun, when he turned to the right, it literally looked like he got blasted. He just cranked it to the right and stopped. I'm like, Holy cow. So they put him to the back. Now, Burdick's pissed. He is livid. Now, I'm not saying that he's like Mr. Smooth because he's a tin bender for sure. He's sponsored by Radco. He gets his aluminum. I was sponsored by Radco. I was hard on tin too, right? That's why I love him. But he came through the pack, and when he got to Selene, he Tyler herbed him. I mean, he <laughs> I mean, he teed him up, and he's like, he goes, I made sure I hit him in three and four because it was drier because if I hit him in one and two, he'd still be rolling. He goes, that was a warning shot. He goes, the next time somebody, when I bump them and they park it on me, I am going to destroy them, period. And you know what I call that? I call that the Hibbing crappie flop, okay? Because they did it for years. I raced her in Hibbing at the point average lineup. We'd start 10th, 11th, 12th. We'd be driving through the pack. You'd bump somebody, and they'd slam on the brakes and spin out. I mean, and there's times, that if you watch on some of these old tapes, that it's so painfully obvious. It's like going, jump on YouTube and just look at some of the soccer ones, right? It's like where they miss tripping them by like that far and the guy stumbles and falls and they make the call. I mean, it's so terrible. And it's like these officials are like brain dead. It's like, are they retarded or I shouldn't even use that word. Pardon me for using that word. Are they stupid? I'm going to go with stupid, right? Because it's like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. yeah, Stevie Wonder. But the fact is, quit the acting class. This is the only thing I like about the world of outlaw rule, right? Because the world of all that rule, whoever stops goes to the back. So you don't have people like doing that stupid acting class because, hey, dummy, you stop, you go to the back. So that's the only benefit to that world of all that rule. And, and I'm, the more I see of that, the more I'm like, you know what? Half the time they don't get the calls right anyway. So just put, you know, put somebody to the back. You know, so that deal just sucks. I've seen guys... <laughs> I've seen guys do the darndest things. I saw one night in Hibbing in the Super Stocks, and I think Chad Finkbone got into somebody, and might have been Derek Vessel. And 
he if he listens to the show, he might be mad at me if it was him. But they got together coming off two, and he turns to the right. I think it was him. I, I could be wrong. He turns to the right, like literally acting class, and rolled over. And they're like, oh, did you see him smash him? I'm like, no. I saw him hit him, but I saw the other guy crank the wheel to the right. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and Celine's done that multiple times this year, and he's got a whole bunch of people pissed off at him. I mean, like, like, I mean, if you look at the Facebook post on Kevin Burdick Racing, it's like a laundry list of super stock guys going, this guy is just driving us nuts because every time he gets next to a car, mayhem happens. Is it, like, he should be – what is it? Is it Progressive? Is that the insurance company? Oh, mayhem, yeah. Progressive yeah. Mayhem, Kevin yeah. Celine should be sponsored by Progressive, right? Because he's mayhem. That's mayhem. And, and I love the guy to death. I mean, I really do. But quit the acting class. Race the car race the track quit doing that stupid crap because i might have to come out of retirement make an example out of somebody you know and that that's just fun i don't need kevin burdick doing that he can go win i'll just be the battering ram for the 30 ride all right heck of a rant thank you john tardy for sponsoring ryan's <laughs> rant and uh, we'll move on to the last lap segment where we have one to go all right bert uh we want to talk a little bit about the intercontinental Classic, which is taking the place of the World 100. A uh, couple of uh, interesting invites and exvites, and uh, you know, one that one that I saw was uh, Hudson O'Neill. Uh, your thoughts on Hudson O'Neill versus Billy Moyer Jr. Well, I'm not even that upset about Billy Moyer Jr. making it. Uh, there's some other drivers who got selected. I mean, like Matt Miller. Is he even racing anymore? Um, I mean, I know he's won big events at Eldora before, but I mean, he got invited. Um, and another one is Greg Satterley. I mean, I know Satterley has been racing closer to home, but I mean, what has he done this year to warrant being invited to this race? And I mean, I, I love Jeep Van Warmer. Um, he got invited. I, I think part of that is because, you know, he's always supported Eldora, um, but, you know, those are the three biggest or the three names that stood out to me as being invited that were kind of questionable where, yeah, I mean, I, Hudson O'Neill, I mean, how can you omit him? And Chris Simpson, too. I mean, Simpson's been racing all over the place. Uh, and, and what was even surprising was Rick Eckert uh, isn't going to be racing there, but he was selected and they replaced Eckert with Chad Simpson. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't uh, – do you know choose Hudson O'Neill to replace Eckert I mean Chad Simpson I don't even think he races at the world 100 every year normally so um those those were my observations as to some drivers that you know I'm curious why they were selected and some why they weren't selected Ryan any comments I I guess the only comment is up until Hudson O'Neill switched taxis he'd been terrible True. I agree with that. <laughs> so maybe that played into the selection deal. They were looking over the body of work from the season going, man, his season's been terrible. And they, he just, you know, now that he's got a real race car again, it's a little bit different. But I think that I would have probably put him in there ahead of a couple of them guys for sure. I, I, I do think it's interesting. Uh, they, 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 they honored that suspension of Tyler Erb because obviously yep. this must be a UMP deal. So they they uh, they honored that. I wasn't sure if they were gonna when it was no longer the World One Hundred. I was wondering maybe they're gonna let him race, but they didn't honor it. 
The question I have is Bloomquist went to the show earlier in the year to the stream and he DN did not qualify three nights in a row. Over and under. Is he going to qualify one, two, or three of the nights? Zero, one, two, or three of the nights is he going to qualify for the show? What do you guys think? Well, I'll tell you what, I let, let's come back to that when we get closer, because I want to think on that. That that's very interesting. <laughs> you know, that is a interesting comment. But yeah, let's let's get to that. We'll get to that that week leading up to it. But I guess I kind of forgot that he did not qualify for all three. Madden was supposed to start on the pole. Remember, could get the car to fire. Yeah. And Lucas did not qualify. So yeah, let's let's make sure we revisit that. Let me think about that for a while. Yeah, we got a couple weeks yet. We got a couple weeks for that for sure. Well, speaking of two, well, and before we move off this, uh, Jesse Guns, congratulations on being invited. He said he can't make it, but he was invited. Uh, he was put on the list, but uh, can't make it. Had to respectfully decline. Uh, so, Ryan, we were just talking about Team Zero. The guy, Chris Madden, had left Team Zero. Now he has a new new team? Yeah, well, he's still sponsored by Millwood, right? So he's just got a different car owner. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does from the, re you know, the rest of the season on, where he's going to race. I really don't know what his schedule looks like, but boy, he, he changes cars a lot. You know, it seems like <laughs> different car, different car, different car, different car. I don't know what the deal is, but I, it, it seems to me like there must not have been friction because he's still sponsored by Millwood, right? So being that that sponsorship is still there, it must not have, he must not have left on bad terms, but I heard a little deal that he did not want to race anywhere Bloomquist does. So there must have been friction with that one. So I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it'll be fun to watch. I mean, he's a hell of a race car driver, and uh, I wish, uh, I, I, you know, I wish he would have came up to the USA Nationals, but, yeah. <laughs> All right, I wanted to get a uh, quick shout-out to Kelly Eske, who broke the modified track record at Gondekloss Speedway in Spear, Wisconsin on Friday. Also recorded the win. He broke the record in a heat race. And, uh, Kelly, I think the reason that you were able to break the record is because you came to the Donlinger Ford Speedway in Grand Rapids on Thursday. So you need to start coming more to, on Thursday, which will give you more success on Friday. So we'll see you this Thursday. Uh, and uh, the Indy 500, you know, kind of silently took place over the weekend. Uh, kind of a goofy finish, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Takuma, what is it? Takuma Sato, he drives for Bobby Rahal. Of course, Bobby Rahal is one of the greats of all time in Indy cars. Um, but he, he's been in trouble for blocking, you know, he's been, they've been calling him out and, and he blocked Scott Dixon there. Dixon was looking like he was going to pass him and he went up and kind of blocked him. And they were even talking about it on the commentary. Bam. Then the yellow happens. I think with five to go, there's, there's a wreck and, and, uh, Dixon's like, well, they're gonna, they're gonna go red, right? They're going to clean it up. And they just yellow checkered it. Is it because it's Ray, Is it because Ray Hall owns the team or, or like, what's the deal? Like you can't yellow checker the, the, Indy 500 what an epic fail no wonder nobody watches that garbage you know like how can you I mean that's just ridiculous um that race should absolutely end under green um there should be absolutely zero circumstance that the Indy 500 ends under yellow unless it rains okay that if the rain comes out fine but if the weather's still good the crowd didn't want to see that the crowd got completely ripped off on that deal um, just epic fail on their part for sure. Um, no fans there, of course, because of the COVID deal, but I wouldn't want to go there anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I have some friends that went there. He said, it's crazy. You're, you're in line with traffic for, you know, like two hours, just trying to get into the place and get out of the place. So not, not necessarily a great experience. So, and, uh, so Ryan, you wanted to, uh, maybe you've got another rant about Dustin Brasky. 
well, not necessarily a rant. This is a rant in a good way. So we're going to call it the Shane Sabraski win count. And again, four more wins this weekend. He's up to 12 wins in the mod. We're in a, remember, we're in a shortened season. But 12 wins in the mod, he's got 20 wins in that super stock. He's got a win in the B mod. You know, maybe we got to get him in a mod for a late model, a sprint car, pure stock, Hornet. We got to get him in everything. He wins in everything he's in. But, uh, yeah, he's at 33 wins for the year and counting. It'll be fun to see. Uh, just I want to see if he can get to 50. Do you think he, you think he can make it to 50 by the end of the year here? Ooh, wait, August 25th? Well, three classes he's running consistently? He's running two classes consistently. He just hopped in uh, another well, guy. He'll hop in the B-Mod for all the invites when there's money on the line. Yeah, I'd say maybe. No. Probably not. Maybe a couple times, but probably not a whole lot. Boy, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to say it comes up just shy. I'm going to take the under. You're going to take the under. Bert, over or under on Sebraski at 50? Under. Under? I'm going over. I'm going to <laughs> the eye test. The eye test looks at it and says the guy literally does not lose very many races. So I'm going to say that he's got literally what it, we're in the middle of August. We got about a month and a half of racing. They don't have as many shows at the end of the year, but I'm going to go with the over. I think he's in a slide just past the 50 mark by the end of the year. The 7A has been unbeatable. Okay. All right, and a couple of shout-outs? Yeah, you know, I, I help a few people. I still, uh, even though I, I wasn't burning up the track on Thursday when I was racing, but I still like to help a few people. A guy that I help a little bit, Tristan Labarge, want to give him a shout-out. Not only did he win his uh, track championship in Hibbing, he's going to have it won in Rapids this week. So two track championships for Tristan, uh, Dave Dolchek, uh, literally the first race car driver I met in Illinois. Um, he, he was struggling, sent me the video, helped him square a couple things away, made some changes to the car. Boom, wins by a straightaway this week. That was awesome. Jeff Kraus, uh, Coach Kraus, you know, he's, he's been hit and miss, kind of had some issues, been helping him a little bit. And uh, we made a few changes to the car. He put a beat down on him and Alex. So shout out to them three guys. Good job this weekend. All right, that's pretty much all I have. Anything else? Well, where are you guys going this week? Go ahead, Bert. Um, I will be in Toronto for sure on Saturday. And I'm thinking of Plymouth has the Rush Scheffler tribute night that was rained out earlier this year is going to be run uh, Thursday night in Plymouth. And then Plymouth also is racing Friday night with the Dirt Kings race. So uh, I kind of want to get the Plymouth for one of those two races also. What are they paying for that? That Sheffler one's pretty big, ain't it? Uh, it's like 2300 to win. And gonna... it, it, pay, it, pays, it pays good all the way down. Uh, that's the race where, uh, you know, most of the prize money is, um, is uh, gotten by three or by a few fans who go to sponsors and get the sponsor money. So, you know, it, you know, for, fans stepping up and putting the purse together it, it's a pretty good paying show that that's a good thing no i'm gonna say mcgrath is probably not gonna win that one well it's not a dirt kings race so uh, my uh, guess is friday? correct uh, uh fridays is a dirt kings race thursday is not a dirt kings race and mcgrath would you know would be the nephew of russ scheffler so i would guess that uh, McGrath will be there. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. So, okay. Okay, fair enough. Now, now, Puka, where are you going this week? I don't know. You know, I 
you know, I might hit Rapids. Uh, Hibbing's got the Enduro Saturday. It might end up just being a lake weekend. I might might take the weekend off because then uh, you get into next week, it'll be Friday, it'll be Saturday, it'll be Sunday. Then, you know, we get into the invite season with Superior the next weekend. So uh, not sure yet. Like I said, if, this, if the clouds align and I could find a way to get to MTS, because as we were talking about, you know, I'm forgetting that they got rained out and all this stuff is like, I just don't feel like myself driving all the way to MTS, but if I could find the right situation, if I got a brother or somebody that's going, um, that just wants to buy, dive bomb down and come back, I would really like to check that place out. So if I could go to a race, it would probably be that one. I don't think it's going to happen, but like I said, it might end up just being, a, a you know, because obviously school's coming quicker. So it might end up being, a, you know, if the weather, weather permitting, we got a nice weekend, it might just end up be, being a weekend at the lake. How about you? Are you going to hit anything? Well, you know, so you're a late model guy. Another thing to keep in mind, is Ogilvy's got late models on Saturday, right? Oh, that's and, that's why, and that's why Hibbing's not racing. It's so good. I'm a shout out to the Hibbing Raceway and Ogilvy for working together because a couple of years back, Ogilvy ran a doubleheader Labor Day weekend, and that stole a bunch of cars from Labor Day, right? Well, from the Labor Day shootout in Hibbing. Well, they worked out a deal, and they said, why don't you run a special a week before? Hibbing will take it off, run an enduro, right? That's a profitable event for the track. And then Ogilvy, in turn, takes Labor Day weekend off, so their guys can come up to the shootout. So hats off for both those tracks. But, but yeah, they got the late models down there. That's going to be on Dirt Race Central. It's actually www.ogilvyraceway.tv um, to catch the late model action if you can't make it. Um, that's on pay-per-view. Superior has late models on Friday. I think it's going to be a little bit light. I think, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of them guys are going to be down at Mississippi Thunder. So, you know, I, I, was Daryl Nelson at Mississippi Thunder? I did not see. I don't think he was, was he? I I didn't see any MTS. Uh, I looked at some of the results quick. I don't think so, though. I don't think he was on there. So, man, is is could he win his first race Friday night of the year? That that's kind of what I'm interested to see. Man, he's been on fire. He's been good. No late models at Cedar. I'm going to be in Grand Rapids on Thursday. Um, I don't anticipate driving. Um, I do. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're pulling for it. No, I don't think I'm going to be racing on Thursday, but I'm going to be in Grand Rapids regardless. Um, and then that's all I'm going to go to this week. I'm, I'm helping a buddy out with some, with some stuff. I'm going to be helping him over the weekend. And then it's invite time. The best time of the year, it always starts right at the Silver 1000, which is not happening, but the ABC Raceway stepped up. They're putting an invitational together. They're actually they're taking some of the proceeds from that event and they're sliding that over to Proctor. So they're actually, it's kind of like they're, they're going to help Proctor out in some hard times here and help them try to get some funds raised up. So, you know, that's really cool. Seeing them practice work together like that, hats off to the guys at the ABC Raceway. But I'm so pumped for invitational time. Um, ABC Raceway, the Wasota Classic in Grand Rapids, two days of the Labor Day shootout. We got the, the TriStar Late Model Series presented by Quality Freight Rate. You know, that's going to be a great deal for the late model guys. I get to jabber jaw on the mic. I'm going to be announcing some of them, uh, some of them shows, um, portions of some of them shows, kind of, kind of dual threat there. But uh, that's the best time of year. I mean, the best time of year for us is invitational time in our region. And now that's when we have the, the most of the guys get together. Um, unfortunately, not all of them. But you'll get enough of a sample size. We're going to see some good racing. So that's what I have going on. But all in all, lots of changes to the power rankings this week. The new guy on top, right? We got Dustin Strand up top. Jimmy Marr slid down. Pat Doerr, he's been non-existent. He's kind of fell right out. He does start fourth at Mississippi Thunder, though. 
So keep an eye on Doerr. Maybe he can make something happen down there. But he's been he's been struggling. We got two Eastern Wisconsin guys in there. Um, thanks, Bert, for letting us know about Justin Schmidt, who won that championship. He's been running solid, slid him up into the top ten. So things are starting to materialize. But we're getting into that time of year where there's some money on the line, and it's going to be fun to see who comes out on top. Remember, last year, Mr. September was the X Factor, Jesse Glenn's, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of that. So um, with that said, that's all I got. Uh, you know, it's fun visiting with you guys and want to thank, of course, Where's Machine as a race car driver. You know, I used lots of their products, you know, lots of them. In fact, there's Where's, Where's products. I don't know if they – this might not be good advertising, but we do have Where's products on the car that I drove, so the car was better than the driver, right? But uh, they, they do a hell of a good job. You know, they, you know they, they design a lot of stuff. They're very innovative, and they do a lot for the sport. So thanks to Chad and the crew over at Where's Machine. All right, awesome. Yeah, thanks to our friends at Where's Machine. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show. Thank you.